Howdy gang, thank you for tuning into Back Country and Barbells. I'm Joe Shamanic, and this week's episode brought to you by our partners at the Send a Vet Foundation. Check those guys out, send-a-vet.org. Um, Send a Vet's mission is focused on sending our nation's combat injured warriors on various outdoor adventures throughout the United States and around the world. The volunteers, donors, and sponsors work diligently to provide the labor and secure the resources to ensure a safe and positive adventure experience i believe right now folks the adventure experience that they're all working hard to um tie up is the big bear hunt in idaho so um check those guys out if if you have change in your pocket time on the calendar or someone who needs a hand um look at sendavet.org um and let's um let's get let's get folks right um having hung out at their auction and met some of the folks there and, and jeremy sitting on the board it's a great group so um help them out send um also pr lifting who who donated a great piece of equipment for that auction uh quality fitness gear here in the pacific northwest pr lifting takes pride um in supplying great gear and providing excellent customer service and most importantly being the place in the pacific northwest to hook you up to achieve your next fitness goal guys um i'm swinging their bells jeremy's throwing their kettle excuse me i'm swinging their <laughs> kettle bells uh jeremy is throwing their sandbags around um great gear man um and again if you live on that i-5 corridor um between everett around everett down to portland how far south they go but um call up anthony and the gang and they'll sure to hook you up with the um, most affordable shipping option they can also guys check out our website backcountryandbarbells.com you can find out more about those partners uh you can find out more about past episodes um and uh you can review the show and look at our programming options so please do that visit backcountryandbarbells.com today's episode uh features a repeat guest um trent fisher is a guy from the born and raised crew we're having back on again they 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 um, have a great couple series to get you guys dialed in for elk season coming up, and we thought we'd have another chat with Trent to discuss some of that. Um, and we'll link a couple um, YouTube clips in there where you can get started with their um, their So You Want to Come West and Hunt series, and then also we can link their Broadhead um, review, which we talk a little bit about, but, um, hopefully you guys enjoy this show. Um, also guys head on over to the born and raised crew and let them know that Backcountry and barbells had sent you. So for your listening pleasure, enjoy. And remember guys, hopefully this episode gets you training, hunting and living. If it does not let us know how we can make sure it happens. And if it does do that, uh, please, uh, review the show, let us know. And um, we'll be sure to keep up what's working for you. Until the next one. Thank you. Well, yeah. So so in the spirit of my favorite um, sitcom character, well, maybe not my favorite sitcom character, but uh, one of, someone I, um, I admired greatly, uh, Frank Costanza. Um, for, <laughs> we'll, we're going to kind of in the theme of Festivus start this show with the airing of grievances. Um, and, and let's just bitch a little bit about, about, about Skype and technology a little bit. Uh, Trent, you, you guys have been doing this for a while, um, in, in all types of formats. Have you ever like consecutively speaking, how many times does Skype actually work? 
I don't. I can't even answer that. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> how many times has it not would be the better question. And, and well, I can't blame Skype, honestly. Cause I can, or, or there's another one that I got on the other day. It's a whole different platform. I can't even remember what it was called. But anyway, it, I, it didn't work. It, we ended up just doing the phone thing pretty much. And, and anyway, it, I, I'm not saying it was the, the program. It was probably just probably just me. Yeah, I mean, we're all monkeys here, right? But uh, we're working it out uh, between Skype, Zoom, and everything that's going on. Um, it's interesting. Uh, but but technology is something that seems to be inescapable. inescapable. And, uh, uh, you know, the the thing that's also going around now, it looks like, I don't know if it's technology-wise, but um, all, everybody's doing these old face pictures. Um, and, in fact, I was going to avoid it completely until I saw uh, – all the hunters jumping on board with it too. Um, I have to say, seeing these uh, gripping grins and guys hitting the trails, it, it it's hilarious to be honest with you. Um, oh. But but it's fun when it works, right? The technology. Yeah, no, it's it's like where did we do without it before? You know, we, before to call mom and dad, we had to use the payphone, right? That's, that's right, or just be home by dark, or you're grounded, yeah. or you're done. Yeah, no kidding. But uh, with all serious, I do have um, a bit of an airing of grievances with you. And this is our second show. Um, and mm-hmm. I, I wanted to reach out because uh, I really liked your guys' YouTube series um, on on getting started with, with uh, elk hunting, how you, you walk everybody through pretty much picking your steak, getting tags, and then, then taking care of the meat. But w- when you guys were rolling through your 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 western your western states you guys you guys didn't include washington it seems like washington just doesn't washington just doesn't want to get doesn't get doesn't get the love or uh why not include washington in the western states because of king county (laughs) (laughs) oh i've heard that so many times it's just like you have talk to people oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah you know because you know i go to a lot of shows and stuff like that and i get to get blessed by being able to talk to a lot of people and awesome half of them are like man why don't you go to washington you got you got or come to washington you know like most everybody if you've been from there that's what they'll say and then they think about it and they're like well that's true washington it's not very good it kind of sucks that's <laughs> what their next line almost almost all of the time is so um no it was one that was on the map this year actually we looked at it and talked about it and um anyway just this year didn't make the cut but it's definitely on our on our radar one of these days i'd love to go up the whole coast is one of our goals and uh roosevelt hunt and try to try to harvest a roosevelt in every state and go and in it off at alaska so oh very cool one of these days yeah, one of these days we'll we'll definitely have to do that. Well, I can make a bit of a sales pitch now. I didn't kill an elk or harvest an elk this past weekend, but uh, we were out at Orcas Island and I had quite an adventure. We uh, we wanted to see the orcas, so um, actually, rather than get a whale watching trip, I got a private fishing charter. And what ended up happening was oh sweet, it was pretty it was pretty cool. Rather than just see the orcas. Um, we saw the orcas. Then on the way back in to to find the salmon spot, we ran into a humpback whale. And then after catching oh. then after catching our salmon, we pulled up the Dungeness crab traps and had a, a bit of a feast. So 
Look, man, there's there's lots to be done here in Washington, right? I'll make that little sale. Plus, oh, plus it's beautiful up that coast. So, um, uh, as as soon as Washington gets on your guys' map, uh, uh, I think we'll you'll, you'll have some excited folks here. I know I know it's pretty tough. Do you, does that have something to do with the whole East West thing and ju- and just the just the rules and you know I mean it, it's managed interesting. Um, but I'd like any some of it is it. I would say a little bit of that. Just, just your seasons are different too. Gotcha. They're, they're just as far as dates wise, and then travel. A lot of times, I want to hit like Colorado and Wyoming. I want to hit Wyoming the first. I've always had better luck early in Wyoming, and and if if we draw a tag in Wyoming, which we did this year, we got three of them. But, um, I, and that's a long jaunt from Washington to. Not that we haven't done an all-day, you know, road trip before, but it's just one of those things where it's logistically it just didn't really pan out. And and honestly, I don't have a lot of knowledge of the state yet. Sure. So it's one of those things where it's like, uh, do we throw our eggs in that basket and hope for the best, or do we try to do something that we have a little bit more history with, you know, so... Yeah, Jeremy, the seasons are pretty short. I mean, this year in particular, what are we, uh, September 7th through the 19th? Uh, I think the 20-something, right? Or maybe it is the 19th. It's usually about 12 days. They limited yeah, us. And, it, it, and Trent, you're right. It's right smack dab in the perfect times of the year for all the other states. I never even thought about that. Yeah, it's so kind of, if you're going to do Washington, it's not like I can – you know, bounce just a few days here and then a couple of days in Colorado and then a couple of days. You're pretty much invested. You are pretty much. Yeah, always. exactly. Yeah. So, so no, that makes sense. I mean, plus, I mean, it's interesting, you know, you got to pick East West, then the seasons are different and then you have early season, late season, then uh, three different seasons based on the, the firearm you're going to use. Um, Washington complicates things, but of all your review of all the western states, if somebody was just itching to roll east or just jump in one state, um, the easiest state, the one that if you're just going to roll into um, and I just want to hunt, I just want to cross the border and go, um, uh, which one's going to make it the easiest for you, at least research and and one that's going to get you into a tag and and, uh, the quickest? Of all the western states, you mean? Yep. Yeah, so your pick right off the bat is going to be Colorado. That's going to be the number one. There's so many people going to Colorado this year. I'm scared to even drive through the state. But uh, <laughs> it's, uh, I get emails every day like, man, you guys inspired me to go hunting. I'm going to Colorado. I'm going to Colorado. Mm. And we're talking a bunch of people, which is great. That is so awesome. But if you look at Colorado, I mean, you're looking at the biggest state. And the, and you're looking at the it's got more elk populations than any other state in the West. Um, it's it's got a lot of opportunity. And then if you look all around the state, it's not like a you know a certain band of mountains that you know okay there's elk here and most of the rest of it's desert. You know it's got a lot of diversity as far as all around the state. So there's a lot of different places that you can go and um, and spread out. So I, I mean it's got to be it's got to be Colorado for that. Very cool. And the process, well, and I think also they have just a over the counter. You can and you can do it any day of the week. Awesome. Yeah, and it's got about a twenty twenty five percent success rate. Where if you're in Washington or Oregon or wherever, it's about ten. Or even yeah. Wyoming and everywhere yeah. else, I think is only about ten percent. So right, no, it does. 
Oregon's got like a negative four or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but no, it'd be definitely definitely Colorado. Colorado's got great opportunity. We've had some great hunts in Colorado, and the cool thing is you just pull up to Walmart, walk in any time of the season. I mean, you don't have to do it before, you don't have to do it, and grab a tag and go hunting. No, that's the way to do it. I mean, I, I think a, a fault of mine is probably. I just like to do stuff, right? And even more than being competitive, I'm I'm super curious and like to just to just roll out and try things and and I'm I'm reluctant to do a ton of research. It's just not it's just not something I want to spend time doing. I'd rather do my research out and even in the even in the field and just hopefully figure it out. So it, it would seem like Colorado is a great spot to just um because it's so big and you have so many options, it's just you can you can dip and, and try things now how about navigating from spot to spot in colorado that that that's not even going to be a problem if, if you if you do test the waters and find oh you know don't see much sign even though the habitat's great but i need to get to the next one even if you the, the spots are the spots are a little tighter as well yeah no and then that, that's the neat thing about i mean the two things that i tell people is is uh, and it sounds like a sales pitch but not it's it's go hunt and onyx maps and with those two tools you can pretty much research a whole state, check out exactly where you want, and then check out the terrain and get really, really in-depth to where, how deep you want to go or what the terrain exactly looks like topographically. And just with those two tools, you can really map out. And I tell everybody, at least have three spots. Hmm. I would not, you know, go into a state with um, just one spot saying, okay, this is, I'm going to put my eggs right here in this basket. Definitely. And we've had times too. I mean, I remember a few years ago where we went back into the same spot that we were the year before and we thought it's going to be just lights out. And it, in five days we killed one elk and had very, very few other encounters. And so we just up stakes and ran clear across the state. We drove 23 hours all night long and all half the next day and pulled up to the trailhead. There was, I don't know, 40 rigs maybe with trailer or horse trailers. And, oh man. And it was like, well, we're here. We got to go. And we hiked in there and, and anyway, we killed two bulls in like three days in there. So it was, it was really, really a lot better, but it was like, okay, this is our second spot. This is where we're headed. So, but I tell everybody, don't go into a spot and just be like, well, there was elk here last year, or my grandpa said that there was elk here when he hunted here, so there's got to be elk <laughs> here, you know. Do your yeah, do your own navigating and your own research a little bit there. and just I mean, I tell everybody, if you're there two days and you haven't seen what you should be seeing, hearing bugles, um, you know, just <sighs> – elk sign you know i mean when you're in elk you know if you're not seeing that and it's tough to relevate that from someone back east this is their first time coming you know sure. so it's like they're used to what they're used to whitetails you know they go sit in grandpa's tree stand that would killed one end for the last 20 years and it's like uh no you gotta move you gotta stay mobile and if they're not around them you need to go find them mm. No, it may, that makes that makes a ton of sense. And um, let me let me ask you about this spot situation. Uh, we all know what the word means, but I don't know if anyone can really like clearly define it. When you're talking about spot, is this um, is this a a spot in a unit? Is this a particular unit? Uh, could it could it mean a county? I mean, because 
you know, again, complicating things in Washington, the, the spots are different. And even from early season to late season, you can go to certain you can go to certain spots. But uh, uh, so so is this um, if you're pinpointing those 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 waypoints on, on your own X map and, and you're getting, getting that going? I mean, about, about how great a distance between spots are we talking in your opinion? Yeah. So what, what we did there is honestly, we kind of screwed up and we didn't have another spot just because we were so concentrated on the spot we were the year before. And it was so awesome. And so it's like, Oh man. So right off the bat, we found service at like 10,500 feet and hiked up there and called, started just calling people that we knew at that point. And we got a hold of South Cox actually and said, Hey South, we need, we need some help here. Where do we go in Colorado? <laughs> because our spot was junk. And so we, we learned a lot there, you know, as far as, okay, you need to definitely map out more than one area. And um, in other States we had, but not in Colorado at that time. So, so, so picking a spot, I mean, I'm looking for terrain. There's a lot of people that are going to talk, you know, well, you need to have this elevation. They need to be within 6,700 feet. I, I, I've never seen that. I mean, I've hunted a lot of areas that have up to 10,500 to, you know, to 5,000 feet, and the elk were exactly where you found them. You know, mm. it didn't seem like <laughs> yeah. there was this there was this magical uh, elevation that they all just hung out at, you know, and partied. So it's uh, it's just where you find them, but just spots. We li- we like to do away from the road. So obviously, we're looking for more roadless areas is what we're kind of trying to key in on. Um, wilderness areas are great when you can find them, um, and when it's legal. So like Wyoming, you can't hunt wilderness unless you're with a resident. But um, with his bogus, but uh, that is bogus. anyway. Oh man, you can go, you can fish, you can do, you can camp, you can do anything on wilderness in Wyoming. It's just you cannot hunt unless you're with a resident. So it excludes a lot of awesome area. So yeah, you got to go find a friend over there and befriend them. And well, is that more? I wonder for... if there's a stipulation you have to know them for 360 days or something before you could do it, or. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly what the stipulations are on that. Actually, yeah, that'd be an interesting permission. Can can you be my friend and and take me into the woods? Can you be uh, my friend? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but I, th- that to me seems like it would even be more than anything else is um a way to hook up guides and and and, and outfitters more than anything. I mean, do you, is that is that a tip of the cap? Yeah, no, those guys? Yeah, that's what it is. It's an outfitter clause that that's been in place for a long time. It's to give them work and, you know, to which is cool on one hand, but at the same time when I can go in and fish and take pictures and do all of that, it's not the danger thing of the wilderness at that point, you know. It's it's just a revenue thing. So, oh, it's it's, the, it's, the inc- it's, it's it's inconsistent with other hunting practices, I guess. That that's the rub, I guess. Correct. I'm pretty sure a whole bunch of people from King County moved to Wyoming and came up with that law. <laughs> Jeremy, it could be, could be. Stabbing King County, hey, sir. You know, I was I was just watching the politics this morning, so I was a little fired up on the politics. I haven't I haven't done that in a while. Yeah, don't do that. I, I gave up. <laughs> stay I gave, away, bud. Stay away. Yeah, stay stay way away from that. But um, yeah, I mean it. it, it 
it seems to be an interesting game to get into. I did want to, you know, and I know that you guys cover cost. Um, and, and one other thing is, is it, this isn't an area of grievance, but it's something that I came across um, as, as I was even trying to, I was watching your guys' series and then also um, trying to organize this little uh, bear hunt with Jeremy. But I actually found out that, I don't know if you know this, but um, uniform service members, uh, at least in Oregon, they can get, um, they can get license and tags um, at pretty much mm-hmm. in, in-state rates in Oregon. I don't know if that's something that, that you guys knew or, or came across, but, um, you know, relatively cheap. I was going to be able to bounce down to Oregon um, for, I think it was 32 bucks for the license and then 16 bucks for the tag. I mean, I could have gotten into a bear um, relatively cheap, and I know as, as, a, as a service, you know, um, my wife, uh, active duty physical therapist, uh, generally um, I can take advantage of a lot of that stuff. So, um that's a pretty cool. Um, that's a pretty cool. Um, pretty cool benefit. I didn't know if um, other states match that. Were you guys have you come across anything like that in your kind of research? We've we've come across a little bit, and that it is one thing when we open up a can of worms and do a whole yeah. video series or even one video on certain. We 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 learn something after the fact a lot of the time, sure. and this was one <laughs> of those things. That, <laughs> so so yeah, definitely. Um, it, it's it's amazing the opportunity if if you really dive into it active or veteran or there is a lot of those opportunities out there in certain states there are not all of them sure but um but yeah i did learn exactly that actually after the fact of of this whole series and so it would have been something great to throw in there too um but like i said we we didn't know at the time, just like some of the, some of the pricing, you touched on pricing a little bit and, and we were off, I guess, a couple bucks on some of the pricing. Well, obviously everybody's going to call you and tell you, you, you got that wrong, you know, by, you know, by $3 and 75 cents or something like that. And I'm like, hey, we tried, you know, we tried wow. our hardest. Yeah. It's a generali- uh, so, generalization. Yeah. yeah. You know, people, yeah. Do, yeah. have you found in your, I mean, you talk about showing up at a hunting spot with a bunch of trailers. I know last time we talked, you had mentioned running into folks that, that watch your show. And then even now, like, you know, people nitpicking a, a resource that's for free that you've developed. Um, are there, I mean, the drawbacks to, I guess, to some degree, I hate to say something like this, the, the drawbacks to fame, the drawbacks to a developing platform. I mean, uh, are are you starting to notice now that, like, to some degree, the honeymoon is is a little bit over. Where now it's like, okay, now there's the, the trolling, the, the the negative aspects of 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 a of a growing platform. Yeah, you know, I think you can dive down that rabbit hole as far as you want to, yeah. but if you come at it with the mind frame of, you know, what that's just going to happen, and and that's what we've done. I mean, we we produced a video, the very first trolling, I would say that we got, we produced a steelhead video. And um, anyway, we just got this drone, right? These drone things. And so we thought it'd be cool for, you know, to follow, to have the drone follow the boat and to see if we could hook a fish while we were having the drone fly over. But anyway, we didn't, you know, Cody got out on the bank and he followed my boat and I never, we never hooked a fish. And we posted that video thinking it was, and it was the most killer footage. It was really awesome. Well, I mean, within 10 minutes of the video coming out, there was emails, there was all sorts of stuff flying that we were, 
we were spotting fish with the drone and that's illegal and all this <laughs> stuff. And I'm like, what is going on? That was a cool shot. <laughs> and so right off the bat, we took the video. I, I got a state police officer buddy and uh, took it to him right off the bat and said, hey, will you watch this, please? Uh, tell us if we did anything illegal because, you know, it's that's just what it is. If, if we did, hey, man, that's that's too bad. And he said, no, because Cody was off. If he would have been in my boat with the controls of the drone, we would have been illegal and under the grounds of we could have technically been spotting fish, which when you're fishing 12 feet deep and muddy yeah. water, it's not real easy to spot fish. It, it was just one of those things. But, yeah, you're going to so get back to your question. Sorry, I just took no. off on that one. But no, cool. um, So to get back to your question, it we, we have seen – I think the more people that follow you and the more – more um, individuals that have actual complaints about certain things or opinions. That's what I'm looking for. You're going to definitely get that. And the, the, we've been blessed with great people that follow us. And so a lot of times if that negative comment comes up, there's a hundred people that are positive, you know, that just say, Hey man, this is, you, you don't, you know, we, we don't really handle those very often just because I think you can, once you start going down that negative road, I think you can really get wrapped up in it. And um, it just doesn't ever end great, you know. Yeah, you seem, it seems like your demeanor also has to have a lot to do with that. I mean, and, and even, even again, going through that, that series you guys just did, uh, just the brief little intros, you you always seem to start the day with like, it's going to happen today. We're going to kill a bull today. Yeah. And, and it seems like if you're positive, you'll stay positive. If you're negative, you'll find it. And, and in either case, you're, you're definitely going to be right about that. Um, it, even, even when you were – did you have that same demeanor when you were working logging crews? I mean, it's just, just something that you, you just generally seem to go about things with a positive attitude. I mean, has that been ingrained since sports and a kiddo or – you know, I think, you know, and I do, I think it's a lot of sports. I think I played a lot of team sports back in uh, growing up and stuff. And, and, but especially elk hunting, because we kind of put that into a team sport, honestly, just because we rarely ever hunt individually. It's always in a group of at least three usually, and sometimes up to five people, six people just to accomplish one goal of killing an elk. Sure. You know, so I, I think it is, I think, and, and we've, and we've noticed that too, as far as you get one person on a team, that's just like, this is not going to happen. We've been out here for five days. We haven't seen anything. We haven't heard a bugle, which is oftentimes, you know, on the Oregon coast here, you, you'll go a long time without even hearing anything, you know? So it's one of those things where you definitely, I think everybody's got to be on the same page. And, and uh, the best part about a good team is everybody, picked up the guy that's down right so i mean um two years ago i shoulder bladed a bull um in wyoming and man i was down i was just like down and out i didn't know what to do i was you know and it was the team that picked me up and said hey man you know you you got to get back on the horse you've got to you know clear your head and and let's go do this thing and and so it's a for us you can really really I think struggle with internal demons a lot of times, I think. And uh, especially if you're coming out West for the first time, or, you know, you've, you've never hunted out before. It's really easy. I think to get that mentality of it's never going to happen, you know, and then, but you guys have experienced it in spades. I'm sure that when it does all come together and when it all happens, it seems easy. It's like, 
that just happened. Like it took five minutes. I did this, that, and the other. It came in, I shot it, and now I'm done. You know, so it it, it happens so so fast. Sure, it's, it's like golfing. Oh yeah, in, in Happy Gilmore when he uh, hit that hole in one, and they he goes. Oh, you just hit a hole in one. And he goes, you mean I don't have to hit a whole bunch of balls in there? No, you're done. He goes, well, I'm just going to do that every time. That's it. That's it. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. We're working on it. And then the, the whole Roosevelt issue and, and, you know, doing it in Washington or doing it in Thick Brush like like you guys are out in Oregon, um, uh, mm-hmm. it's got to be tough to keep it. It's one thing to be positive at the start of the day. But uh, doing it, you know, it's four o'clock. You haven't heard anything, and you're at the bottom of a drainage that you just thought something might have been down there. Um, is is there a mechanism there or a rally cry? I mean, like I said, with team sports, maybe you have your your, your team saying or your motto for the year. Do you guys take measures before you go out on camp? Like, okay, you know, this is this is the theme this year, or, or this is this is this is going to be the rally cry, or. Or is it just you guys have your same crew that you guys just have your 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 routine to, to keep things positive? I mean, do you, do you have mechanisms to defend and to keep that morale up? Yeah. So what we're looking for, honestly, and, and I'll be totally transparently honest, we're we're looking for we call it a win for the day. Okay. So I love it. I'll, and so and so that's what drives us, and and that win honestly could be. Uh, watching Trevor fall in the creek and getting on the camp. You know, that, that, would be, that would be our win for the sure. day. So it's like, you know, we're looking for that win. And uh, a lot of times it's, uh, hey, we got a couple grass for dinner, you know. And, uh, and so we're trying to base a lot of it around film, a lot around showing the hunt and showing the ins and outs and the ups and downs definitely mm. of the hunt. And so, we're, so so we're always looking for so even sometimes like midday we'll be like we haven't got a win today man we've got to get a win you know um and it may be as is is minute as just finding some sign and showing okay this is what we're looking for we're around them now or something whatever or a joke someone tells to you know make everybody just bust up laughing or something like that so so we're always we kind of all have a common goal of not just obviously killing an elk is the ultimate goal for the day but we all want to you know we all are invested in this in video and 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 doing the production side of things and so we're looking for a win and and you'll hear us say that a lot behind the scenes probably haven't got our win yet today we got to get our win you know and and um and sometimes it's just, just good as seeing one and getting it especially over here on the oregon coast and a big roosevelt or a, even a small one or whatever you know and just actually getting camera on it and getting and tied on it and and because sometimes you go gaze without seeing you know it's just mm. it's just the way it goes so well, you if can, we can get that win well you can start a new uh, hashtag hashtag finding the w yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. There you go. Exactly that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it, it, it's tough to find those wins. You I mean, like you said, Jeremy was discussing um, success rates. You're talking ten, twenty percent. So I guess if you if your wins revolve around the process and the experience, I mean, you'll come out you'll come out with um, you'll come out with with positives for the next one. Uh, you, your best win that didn't revolve 
around an elk kill on on your last on last season's hunt? Oh man, um, uh, and you would you would ask that. <laughs> you would ask that. Um, a lot of times for me, <laughs> yeah, in the question. past, I enjoy the. It is a tough question. I'm sure I'm probably going to go, oh, I wish I would have said that. But uh, later on when I think about it, even harder. Um, I, I love the fishing side of things. So there was a couple of years ago that we went into this place into Colorado and hiked back into this one big giant pond. It was a little lake is what it was. And it was so awesome. I always try to take a pole with me if I have a chance that even thinking that there's going to be fish even anywhere around where we're hunting. And so I had a fishing rod and and caught some giant, giant fish. I I couldn't get in the channel of the, of the lake. So I waded out there, clear up to my neck and it was super cold. Oh man, it was cold water. And I could finally reach the channel with my lure and cast it out there and, it was like every cast I caught like a 22 incher and then I would walk it clear back into the bank and drop (laughs) it off, walk clear back out there. And, um, anyway, then I caught a a big, you know, like an 18 inch, you know, fish. It was, it was awesome. Um, so I'd say, I'd say that day is a big memory for me. Just, um, it had nothing to do with hunting at all. Well, I guess if you want to call fishing in the way of hunting, but, it, it was just uh, something that separates, I think, maybe a little bit from the hunt. And, and, and I don't mean that in a negative sense at all, but something that kind of takes your mind out of, I got to go get an elk. I go, we sure. have to kill. We have to go get an elk. We, you know, sometimes that if you, if you let that consume you too much, I think sometimes it can take away from the fun of it. We're all out there for the same goal, obviously, but it's still hunting. And you need to really, I think, put a lot into that whole um, scenario of just, we are there to hunt, but at the same time, every single time. And, uh, it's easy to get wrapped up in the whole have to kill, have to, have to be successful. And, um, my new slogan this year is, um, success is not measured in the punching of a tag at all. So very cool. That's a good one. I'm trying to stick that try. Yeah, definitely. Because I, there's a, I'm, I'm emailing a ton of people and talking to a ton of people and it's just like I'm telling them, hey, come out if you're going to come out west for the first time, um, just have fun. Take it all in. Take the whole, I mean, the smell of the air and all of that, and don't get wrapped up in, hey, I spent this money to kill an elk. By gosh, I'm going to go hell or high water and, and kill an elk. Yeah, you're going to try and you're going to, you know, hopefully succeed and everything, but man, do not think it was a a botched trip because uh, I didn't shoot an elk. Yeah, I mean, you can so. you can press and and ruin the experience. I mean, it's like um you know, I guess in baseball and other sports, sometimes the best way to end a bad streak is to forget about the thing in general and just switch gears, right? So, um Yeah. And and I'll I'll say a couple cool wins that that we'll get or or at least in my experience. So, trying to convert my family into this hunting situation or, or following me into it as someone who I didn't say I wasn't able to set the precedence. Like I came into this into well into my thirties and I'm trying to figure it out as I go as, you know, as, as an adult, but, um, a way to include my family is just to take cool pictures. I mean, everybody, 
you know, mm-hmm. I love coming home and going through the the photo catalog and and showing my wife this flower or or my kids this bug or or even Jeremy on our last hunt. Just I was amazed at how um, where were we between? We were between we were between two big old mountains, and it was amazing to me how we could be hiking about, and then all of a sudden these giant mountains would just pop out. You know, um, so. Yeah. Whether it's the scenery or or the critters about um, just break, breaking the monotony with with something different can probably just clear your mind to make a better decision rather than to be to be pressing that nothing good's happening. That that's hundred percent the truth, and and I think we learn that every you know every year for me I guess it's when I'm coaching my kids at sports you know and I want them to do better so we'll practice all day and then okay, get home, you need to start throwing the ball around or, or whatever it may be. And then they're just like, Dad, I am not. I'm burned out. I do not. You know, it's it's pushing our kids sometimes to do the things that you're just like, you want to do maybe more than, more than they want to do, you know. And sometimes you have to step back, I think, and just go, you know, you're right. Uh, just do what you want to do. You're, you're 12 years old, you know, for crying out loud. <laughs> I had a fun experience. My, um, my eight year old, we were coming back from the ferry, um, from Orcas and I'm, he's going to be going into third grade, but he's not, he's not a very proficient shoe tire, if you can imagine this. So I'm like, you're going to tie shoes on this damn ferry. And, uh, I made him practice on my shoes and he was just getting frustrated and frustrated and, 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 and he was getting angry and he couldn't get it. And then he finally just ho-hummed it threw something and went off and then he came back and I'm like, Hey man, um, I'm not mad that you can't tie your shoes. Uh, I'm, I'm more aggravated that you're quitting on it. And he, you know, he's stink eyeing me, but we kind of went away from each other for three to five minutes. And then without knowing, he kind of creeped to my feet and tied my shoe. And, uh, sometimes we all just need a minute to breathe. You know what I mean? So, uh, even, even, yeah. the, even the little ones. So, um, but uh, and that was a huge win, right? It, it I was mean, a that's huge a big win. win. Yeah, so that's a win, brother. Yeah, so um, you know, um, it's interesting how we can go about these. But sometimes I think the best thing to do is to just reset. You know, hit that control, delete, and and and, and sort that out. And um, maybe we can all find a mountain stream to make that happen. How do you pack a fish? Do you have like a collapsible pole that you throw in the pack? Yeah, I got a I got a little Walmart special collapsible um, rod that just telescopes nice uh telescopes down yeah and i can fit it in my pack or wherever i usually have a giant pack on just because i'm not the guy that carries the tiny little pack with the little you know with the least amount of gear in it or whatnot i I like to have my comforts at home so i always have fishing rods or if i can put it on my back and if i can carry it i'll take it that's what they say the bigger the pack the more stuff you put in it right i mean i mean so um, that's what i've heard very cool uh, so I will say uh, I'm excited about what you're going to be putting out in the near future, and you guys are immersed in a project right now where where you're kind of rolling through broadheads, and I know you guys are putting a lot of work into it. Um, but I was particularly excited because a broadhead that me and Jeremy shoot was on your list, so I'm, I'm interested in into some specifics um, in, into oh, cool. in, into how that broadhead uh, suits into things. But besides just shooting them. Um, what what testing what measurements i mean i mean how much work are you guys putting in because when i see broadhead tests i'm like okay these guys went out and got 100 broadheads and now they're just going to shoot them but uh what, what what's going into your guys review of all these broadheads you're getting into oh my goodness it is crazy <laughs> yeah 
we are scientists now, I think. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, oh, man. Cody, Cody and Wes, our cameraman, I mean, Wes is just geeked out on this stuff. And, and me, I'm more of a hands-on, I want to see a broadhead explode. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah. But as far as just getting right down into the spreadsheets and numbers and stuff, uh, I'm just, I'm not, I'll write them down. How about that? I'll write them down. And that's my job. So I, I am the computer guy that just sits there and writes the numbers that they tell me down. But uh, we collab with Garrett Weaver from On Point. Um, he's got a YouTube channel and a podcast as well. And great guy, but he is like, I mean, he compares bows. He compares, I mean, he is like a tech guru guy. He's self-admitted nerd. He's a self-admitted nerd, so I can say that out loud. But, um, <laughs> no, he is a great guy. He is a super nice guy. And so he's with us on a lot of our testing. And so what we're going through, I mean, we're right off the bat we did sharpness. So we took him straight out of the package, and we there's a test actually that knife companies get. We learned this from Benchmade. Actually, I called Ben or Wes called Benchmade, and he was like, "What do you guys use to test sharpness of knives?" And after you've used them or after you put them through whatever cardboard or whatever, and, and uh, they have this test. It's this. It's a string. It's almost like those dental floss things that you floss your teeth with. You know, mm. that you throw away the little placard. So it's a string in between two points, just like a dental floss thing, and it's got a scale underneath of it huh. so then it's got a plunger yeah so we we hold the we've had to come up with some <laughs> some crazy ways to do broadheads but anyway so we take a drill press and so it's got that little spinning handle on it and we'll pull that drill press down onto that string until it breaks the string and it gives us a what the blade retention is and sharpness of it is which is really cool and oh, but cool. we're testing like 48 cool. broadheads or something like that yeah so Right out of the package, you got to go through every single one, and you got to test it, and at least a few times, so you get an average of exactly what that broadhead is out of the package. And it's it's been a numbers game. We've done we've tested for two and a half days so far, and it's we've barely even got to shoot a broadhead yet. So. We test that the uh, blade retention, and then we took jar, and then we put a uh, thick thick paper over the jar, if that makes any sense, like a canning jar, and screwed it down. So it's just a tight piece of paper on top of the canning jar. Sure. And then we did a plunge test. So exactly what it takes to break through that paper and to cut down all the way through the ferrule of the broadhead. Um, we did that test as well, just to see the friction that it takes for a broadhead to punch through a hide of an elk or, you know, any, 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 um, anything actually. So, and we just had a controlled test on that. So I mean, it's all numbers uh, so far, but, um, yesterday we actually did get to shoot some. So we shot through 75 layers of cardboard to do a penetration test <laughs> and, Oh, yeah. And then we had all this. Everything's been like scientifically. We have these devices that hold the cardboard just tight and it's all the same every time. And then you got to go and layer back the cardboard. And mind you, we're doing 48 or 40 some odd heads, almost 50 heads. So and then using the same arrow every time out of the same bow, out of this, you know, it's just been like, oh, my goodness. And so then after shooting it through cardboard, we do the blade retention test again. 
And so we see what the blade retention was from the first shot through cardboard. How how sharp is the broadhead still? Hmm. So yeah, we're 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 going through a lot of different tests, and Deep. we have a lot more left. Yeah, so we have a Hooter shooter from Spot Hog. So it's a thing that you set your bow in, and you can honestly hit the same hole every single shot because everything's just stable and and. Um, Anyway, we were dealing with that, messing with that a little bit yesterday. So we're going to do an accuracy test of shoot a target tip and see where that hits and then screw on a broadhead with the same arrows and shoot that and then see how each broadhead is accurate to a target tip that that's shot. So a lot of different stuff that we're going, because that's a lot of people, you know, we're trying to test them as far as what people would want to know. So accuracy test is definitely key uh blade retention i think is a really going to be a really good you know a lot of information there as well and it just uh, uh yeah we have four different i think four more tests that we have to do still that, yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun out. though it is yeah it is until i mean the first five is a lot of fun <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then it turns into work right yeah so it's I, like, I, I okay and um, okay, I was, how yeah, is that yeah, one holding up so yeah. far? That is a wicked-looking broadhead. That thing is wicked-looking. Um, so far, uh, penetration-wise, I did that broadhead yesterday. It's doing okay. It's probably middle of the pack on that sharpness. It was really good. Sharpness did well. Um, blade retention, we have not got that far on the test yet, so I I can't tell you that as far as yet. But um it's been it's been I would say it's right down the middle of the pack so far. There's been some front runners. The the best penetration broadhead was actually the Exodus. Really, a, uh, NAP That's Exodus. A yeah, that is a fi- that is a replaceable blade broadhead. So so yeah. So we have three categories. We have fixed. Yeah, we have fixed blade. We have like twelve broadheads in the fixed blade, and we have about nine broadheads in the uh, replaceable blade category, and then we have probably about nine or so in expandables because that's legal in Oregon now. So we tried to get our hands on as many expandables as we could. We had a lot of people sending us a lot of broadhead, which helped out a lot because it's, I bet we've got a couple thousand dollars just in broadheads, you mm. know, so. What's the, what, what's the expandable broadhead? So it's a mechanical broadhead. So it's a lot of stuff, a lot of whitetail guys back east shoot them. Um, when they hit, they I mean, they can expand up to two and a half inches. They're huge. Oh, really? And yeah, so giant wound channels, but they're all folded in. All the blades are folded in, and they shoot just like a target tip because there's there's nothing to them except it's it's all kind of internal until they hit. And then there's on them there's there's some mechanical mechanism. All of them are a little bit different, sure. but a lot of them just they deploy out these razor blades, and yeah. it's a uh, they're pretty wicked looking. Some of them have to be more sensitive than others, I'd imagine, because I've seen a couple where, you know, you see, you yeah. know, you watch YouTube, you see a couple of videos where a blade of grass or the wrong, the wrong twig or you know, uh, an interesting gust of wind or some reason that that those that those that those open up and then obviously change the flight pattern. Um, is there anything with those mechanical, um, the mechanical heads or or like you said, the expandable heads that you guys have tested to even include some sort of um you know flight consistency in terms of will it open or or, or what triggers this or, or a malfunction of sorts 
Yeah. So yesterday we shot expandables into a penetration test, and it was it was interesting to see the how long it took. Some of them took like five or seven layers of cardboard to get through before they expanded out. Huh. So Whoa. that entrance wound is not that big until they finally expand out, and then then they they do the damage. But yeah, definitely. And then and then I mean, just into cardboard too. There was there was times where you're looking at the blade and it bends the blades on them, you know, and and so it would be we call that a test, you know, it failed the test, and so that head, you know, we'll kick that head out of the test um, at that point just because it's like okay, we're we're trying to find the best head, we're trying to show you know accurate numbers, and we're not going to be shooting a head that has bent blades on it or anything that obviously didn't pass the the test that we're that we're throwing them through. Yeah, I'm pretty interested in the expandable test just because, you know, you always hear not to use it on elk just for that fact because their hide is a little mm-hmm. thicker. And even with bear, I heard not to because the hide's so thick. So that, that, Oh, okay, yeah. This testing thing you guys are doing is pretty extensive and it's pretty impressive. I'm excited to see the yeah, results it's of gonna that. Be, it's going to be the biggest broadhead test that's ever that we can find that we've found um, anywhere online or, or anywhere, this will be the biggest test that's ever been done. So, well, will you guys post all the results so people can also sift through it um, and, and see it, or will you guys just make a, a sort of a, a top ten with this at the, at the tail end? Oh no, no, no. We'll do the spreadsheet all the way down from the worst to the best. All, every single head will have all the numbers. We'll have spreadsheets. We're going to do a blog thing about it. That way, anybody can look up what they want to see and. And we're super subjective. We don't have all of us have shot all different broadheads every year. There's no broadhead that that uh, any of us like are married to by any means at, uh, at all. So um, yeah, a lot of the like the Stricklands that I shot last year, they're not performing as that well um, in the test. They're doing they're doing okay, but they're not they're not at the front line of the test right now either. So it, it's just you know, and a lot of it you still have. That's right. You know, we can do thousand broadhead tests but you still have to hit the elk where you're supposed to <laughs> yeah amen there that's the truth so yeah, uh, yeah. with with the test so so the, the the broadheads don't work alone so are you are you guys for this particular first one and imagine it'd be a big rabbit hole if you started doing all sorts of arrow setups so are you guys are you guys standardizing this first run with this with with just using one arrow correct yeah one arrow so we've weighed every single like when we do the penetration test to to take the cardboard apart 90,000 times it seems like it's just too much <laughs> so we'll shoot like eight heads at a time so we'll use eight arrows but each arrow we've documented it we've weighed it we actually write how many grains the exact so every arrow that we've shot is within a grain and a half of each other oh very cool so but Right off the bat, we took the broadheads out and we weighed every single broadhead, and we took an average off of every single broadhead. You'd be shocked right out of the package. Uh, 125 grain broadhead, we're getting 130, 131, mm. 122, 100, you know, grains in, in broadheads right out of the package. So that that's an interesting test as far as which one's most accurate to 125 grains. You know, so yeah. all these all these tests, yeah. And we and we've documented everything in spreadsheets and and so it, it'll be interesting when you can go through and just say you know there's a lot of different things that go into picking a broadhead, uh, you know sharpness, 
uh, weight, all this stuff, accuracy. Um, so I'm hoping that people, it's not going to be like, well, that's the best head out of the group. It may be good in one category, but sure. in the other categories, might be a total different head. So, And I think that's what we're going to find. That's kind of what we've been seeing is some perform well on certain tests and some don't. You just still have to, you know, there's no reigning, shining champion and broadhead. I don't think. You guys are going to have to, anyway. you'll have to come up with a point system of some sort to see who could like, you know, because like, again, uh, that's what we've done. Like, uh, I guess it's like CrossFit. They'll do like I went to the CrossFit Games in 2013 with a team, but the the way they judge the games is you you end up accumulating certain points for first place and whatnot and getting that. But I'd be I, I'm actually super interested in in who out of the package was the most accurate. You know, you get three of these, you know, and you're spending you're spending your money. Uh, which one in terms of just weight? Who won the weight test in terms of consistently out of the package being as close to 125? To, to be honest with you. <laughs> There's this broadhead called Dirt Cheap, and <laughs> awesome. I'm not kidding you. For like a dozen, I, they're like they're made out of polymer. I would not shoot them. Uh, they, oh man, I'm surprised they didn't explode when we shot it yesterday. But uh, but to be honest with you, those were exactly 125 grains. Awesome. Um, no, no other head was exactly 125 grains out of an average of three. They were always one or two grains off a lot of them that were really close were within a grain or two so obviously not a big deal by any means but um but it's something to think about there was a few yeah. different heads that very popular heads too i'm trying to think of the name of them but i can't think of them right now that were 130 and 132 grains yeah um they're averaged 130 grains out of the out of the package so which was interesting to me because it was a higher end broadhead and i I can't remember which one it was right now, but, um, but yeah, at all that's going to be in the test. We, we, we pretty much, cause we didn't want to do something and have everybody go, well, that's, you, you, that doesn't make any sense. You know, we wanted to do tests that were actually like legit and, and people would not be able to say, you know, well, you, you could have done that different or whatever. Mm -hmm. So that's why yeah, it's all practical. So time in it. Oh man, yeah, we're putting a lot of time into this thing. Well, it'll happen. Someone will, someone will nitpick you and figure out what you did wrong. Guaranteed. Yeah. So I have a question, so. kind of changing gears a little bit. Um, sure. You guys have a new beer out now called Tagged Out. So when you oh, guys yeah? are doing this Tagged Out, did you get to try out like forty different kinds of beer? <laughs> no, not forty. <laughs> it wasn't a great day. No, <laughs> no. So, so. We've got some uh, friends, um, and they make a great beer. They've won a lot of the competitions locally in Roseburg there, Old 99 Brewing it's called. And um, so we we teamed up with them. We wanted to do a beer launch. Uh, we wanted to have our own beer, and, and craft brew is, is a big thing around where we're at. And so um, we teamed up with them, and we went to them and said, sat down and he pulled out a sheet of paper. It was actually really cool. And he's like, so what do you guys want in a beer? And we all looked at each other. So I was like, okay, I thought we were going to be here to test, you know, 40 different kinds of beers, you know, no. And um, anyway, so we wrote down, you know, we want it to be kind of that, that summertime, that September beer. And it's got that taste. It's a hazy IPA is what it, we ended up um being and um he had some ideas before and i said i don't want it to be like super hoppy i want it to be you know we had a bunch of different standards going into this 
and he brewed up about three different beers that he thought, okay, I'll mix this into that. I don't know how it all works yet. I go Monday. Monday we do the brewing on the final on a big batch of it. I've only had oh, just nice. a small, small batch of it. Yeah, so I'm pretty excited for Monday. That should be fun to see how the whole process works. I've never really been through the process of making it and and ingredients-wise and dumping it in the big vat and stuff. So it's going to be – I think it's going to be kind of fun. But, yeah, so August 10th is our beer launch. We're going to do that in Roseburg. We have uh, – we'll do a live podcast there. Um, and we're just getting a landing page set up for people that want to come. And uh, we haven't decided exactly what we're going to charge. I think it's maybe ten bucks a ticket or something like that. And we'll do a live podcast. We'll be we'll hang out um, all afternoon and have a couple food trucks there for food. It should be a lot of fun. It should be it should be a good time. We're going to take probably three to five hundred people probably somewhere. We'll probably cap it at that. So very cool. It should be good. Do you get yeah, to design? We'd love the, you guys to come down. Do you get to design the beer can? That's what I'd be yeah, fired to awesome, do. Yeah, it's awesome, man. Get yeah. on their website. It's it's a it's really really cool. I want to design a beer. Yeah, can. It says old ninety nine brewing company, tagged out ale, born and raised outdoors, five and a half percent alcohol, Very. volume twelve ounce baby. Well, that's that's what's funny yeah, too. Baby. So I um you know on the, cool. on the weekends here I'll work at uh, like Century Link or through my kids gymnastics we just do some fundraising where we work concession. It's amazing what people are concerned about when they're spending eight dollars for a beer um and generally it's like alcohol content I, you know like you know, is it is it worth it for me to get this or that one bang for your buck, yeah right? that's exactly right so um at five percent you're yeah. doing okay but i i'd be interested have did you get any anything you learned about the beer making process through this that 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 surprised you not yet no all we have done so far is told them what we wanted and what oh, we cool. wanted a beer and yeah no we have not got to like dig in that's what i'm so excited to do and um yeah i thought that's what we were going to do he's like meet me at the brewery we'll uh we'll we'll go over and we'll talk about it. i'm like yes and we got there and we sat at a table the whole time writing on a sheet of paper and i'm thinking i, I thought this was going to be more fun than- <laughs> that was going to be more fun than- well, yeah. I thought we were going to work. No, well, ask, that's, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. <laughs> ask, your, ask your boy this question, because I heard from a guy, but IPAs got their name, their Indian Pale Ale, but supposedly they're, they're more hoppy because it was a, a preservation method, because it had to make that long, They had to, it was so, supposedly it was a long run, and they had to do the extra hops uh, to preserve the beer. I'd, I'd, I'd be interested in if, if your beer maker is a historian and can, can, uh, can validate that information. Um, but uh, he acted like it. I will yeah. tell you that he sounded like he knew everything about beer, yeah, yeah. everything. So I will definitely ask him. Yeah, my buddy is um, at uh, in North Carolina. He's a brewmaster um, at a spot, and uh, between the hops and this and that and what's going on. Now that's interesting, man. Well, congratulations on it. We'll have to uh, Roseburg, Jeremy. How far is Roseburg from from where we are? It's a uh, five and a half, uh, six six and a half hours, and that that weekend is the weekend we were slated to go bear hunting. So yeah, well, it's, it's, I'd go bear hunting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we ended up having to bag it. Uh, Joe had some stuff that came up. So well, I love my oh, wife. Gotcha. I love my wife. We'll just say that she's a great yes. woman. We were working That's that. <laughs> now you know you. <laughs> well, well, actually, that brings me up to the last question I'll have. So you know. You know, you two have been hunters your whole life, you know what I mean? So when you, you meet a woman and you you procreate with her and, and you build this family, like hunting's a precedent that's set. You're doing it. 
tips or tricks for the guy who's middle-aged 30s with kids who now's picking it up and he's trying to find a way to wiggle a couple weekends you know into a crazy schedule i mean it's i'll be honest it's a different animal um then to be honest that's part of the reason i work these gymnastics fundraising events is to build hand so i can say hey man i'm working nights can i get a weekend here and there so so uh, I mean, it's an interesting dilemma. I mean, I don't know if you guys can speak on that, but I mean, I mean, how are you wiggling these weekends out or for, or for the guy who hasn't set that precedent? How's he go about doing that? Um, see, right. Honestly, for me, it's, it's, uh, it's the full-time job now. Yeah. It was very tough. Like the, the guy that has a full-time job and yep. that's why we're trying to do this whole series. We did that DIY series is, is, you know, you can do it, and but at the same time, it does take sacrifices from certain sides, right? And whether it be family, whether it be, for, you know, however that works, the wives and, and kids and stuff like that, it's tough to get away, and especially for a week at a time. I mean, life is so hectic, as you guys know, and um, we do it now. I mean, obviously, it's our living, so uh, it, it does help in that realm, but at the same time, it's not easy to go – somewhere and then just say hey hon and turn right back around and head out somewhere you know after you've been gone for almost a month you know it's just and it's not easy for us too i I think that's a lot of people they're just like oh you must have the best lives and everything but at the same time i want to be home too I, i i like being home i don't i don't like being gone that much away from my family so it's a it's a tough deal it's kind of one of those you know you definitely have to give and take and you have to make sacrifices at certain times and then it, it, there's no perfect answer for every single couple, for every single family, um, other than if you have the passion for it, I would say that, you know, your wife or your spouse will know that and they will definitely, you know, they know that you have the drive to do something. And and it's just, man, relationships are tough, right? It's It's not always easy. But um, if they can see that drive and passion that you have for something, and then, you know, they hopefully will be okay with allotting some time that, that you can go out and chase your, your dreams that you that you may have. So it's it's a tough one, man. It's really tough. And um, we are very, very blessed, I will say that. Yeah, and probably a little different where you're like, hey, man, got to pay them bills now. Now that's what we have to do, right? Um, is, yeah. is, so the conversation's even easier. Yeah. The um, no, that's cool. No, but that that would make sense. You know, be passionate about it, and 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 you'll get you'll get some breaks. So, um, well, cool. Uh, Trent, this was Absolutely. fun, man. Between uh, between the broadheads. Hey talk- guys, thank you guys so much. Uh, good luck with the good luck with the beer launch. Um, and uh, good luck on on your guys' elk season. We'll be interested. When when about? Um, we'll have this turned around pretty quick. But when abouts would do you guys expect the the broadhead stuff to be finished so folks can or to check tune into? I'm going to try to get a video out by the end of this week. Our first video. I'm thinking. I'm hoping it's going to be able to launch by that. We'll have it tapered up, and we'll do probably at least four videos, at least four to six different videos. So I didn't want to lump it into one giant video. I just kind of doing you know parts at a time so somewhere uh early this week uh next week i'm sure we'll have at least one or two videos out by next week cool 48 broadheads and counting we're fired up to see what happens and yes. um well awesome and then um we're definitely is it uh land of the free is uh is 3.0 in the books and, and is that definitely going to be a mainstay from here on out 
We will definitely do the elk hunting. I don't know if we'll call it land of the free, but we'll definitely, definitely do the elk hunting. Uh, that's just kind of our bread and butter. So very cool. It'll definitely be in the mainstay. You guys, you guys will see a lot of elk hunting this year. Very cool. Definitely. All right. Jeremy, any closing thoughts with Trent before we let him leave? No, man. Thank you very much for spending the, your morning with us, and um, excited to try this new beer out. I might have to come down on the tenth and get a couple cases. That'd be so awesome. Although yeah. I quit drinking for a come. year. Yeah. So well, I'm going to have to hold. Yeah, don't pay. <laughs> if you're going to come, let me know so you don't have to pay to get in. Oh, okay. Well, thank you very much. Sweet. Heck yeah. Absolutely. All righty. Well, well, thank you guys so much. I'm off to the dentist now. <laughs> taking my son to the dentist. So it's, always, it's, a, <laughs> it's, it's a daily thing, man. All right, brother. Yeah. Well, take her easy and have fun getting a tooth pulled. Uh, yeah, no kidding. Let's do it again sometime soon, guys. We'll do it. Take All care. Right, sounds good, brother. Thanks again. All right. Fun chat with Trent, guys. Hopefully you enjoyed that. I know I did. It was fun giving them a hard time about why they did not include Washington on their list of Western hunts. But um, if you want them to include Washington on their next review next year, um, let them know. Reach out. Um, having met them, um, gone to a Benchmade um, event and touch base with these guys. They're real folks. They're happy folks and they want to provide you great content and they'll do it if you tell them. So um, do that, guys. Also, guys, check out prlifting.com, sendavet.org and also, guys, check out our website, Backcountry and Barbells and please, 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 five-star reviews work and do well for us. We'd appreciate you if you did so. Until the next one, guys, train, hunt, and live the best lives possible. <laughs>